Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Got a little bit of a different intro music here this morning to fit the uh, the, the Christmas season here. I always love just this uh, good old hymn and this good old Christmas song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And of course, if you're listening to this every single day, then you are one of those faithful, I hope, anyway, that you're faithfully following Jesus Christ. That is the, the hope and the goal. And just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the devotion here this morning. Uh, we are going to be continuing our Second Timothy series, I believe, January first, twenty twenty-four. Uh, that's that's probably when we're going to be continuing that Second Timothy series. I just kind of realized that finishing Second Timothy chapter two, it makes sense to uh, to not necessarily get you know a quarter of the way through chapter three and then stop uh, for. Christmas and just be looking at Christmas the whole uh, time because that would just be a little bit confusing. So we're going to be looking at Christmas um, between now and, and, and Christmas. We'll probably take a little bit of a break uh, after Christmas, but I am looking forward here to to sharing a lot about Christmas because there's just so much, so much to see about Christmas. This week, uh, the theme is going to be Christ the Christmas King. Uh, Christ, the Christmas King, and we're we're going to be uh, seeing how important it is to realize that Jesus Christ was born King. We're probably going to touch on this subject more than once, more than just the week. Maybe it'll end up being the entire uh, season. I'm not sure. Uh, but I do know for this week, we're going to be looking at Christ, the Christmas King. And our text here this morning is in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Of course, that is a very uh, much a Christmas passage. Here is Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 2, if you're, if you're just looking, you know, for some Christmas readings, I would really suggest, of course, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, John chapter 1. Uh, also, I would suggest um, going to, oh, I, I would suggest going and reading Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 7. Both of those have some really good Christmas prophecies in there. But if you're just looking for some that, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make a, uh, a, a good Christmas reading list here starting in December. Um, we'll, we'll think about that. I'm recording this kind of late at night, so we'll see if I remember to do that or not. We'll find out. But anyway, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and I'm going to read through verse 33, and it says this, now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said unto her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said unto her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will be with him, the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Well, we, we see here this message that the angel Gabriel brings to Mary is one of a coming king. Of course, she's she's going to be giving birth to this coming king, and he is going to have an incredible kingdom. In fact, his kingdom is going to be that of his father, David. He's from the lineage of David, and he is going to be in that kingdom. And of course, Christ is the pinnacle of that kingdom. But it is an interesting thing to go and to look at, because we often think of Christ 
as being Savior. We often think of Christ being a sacrifice uh, for our sins. We often think of him uh, being the resurrected Lord, and we say he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but do we really stop and think about the kingship of Christ? What all does that mean? Well, this week we're really going to be diving into that, um, just some simple things on what does the kingship of Christ mean. But today I want us to notice that there is a promise of a coming king, because we're going to see Mary's response here, just a little bit of a response. We're actually going to come back and see more of a response, um, I, I think, Friday is probably when we're going to be looking at that, but uh, but we see Mary's response to the king just a little bit here, or at least the choice that she had uh, to respond to this coming king, and it's it's an incredible response that she has. But I want you to realize something about the kingship of Christ, and uh, we're, we're not going to go too far into that here this morning, but with the kingship of Christ is that he is a duger or lawful king. Um, and this is important to understand because a lot of times people get this a little bit confused, uh, and they think that Christ's kingship comes from his, uh, the, the God portion of his, uh, of his nature. And what I mean by this is if you look at the nature of Christ, uh, there's the hypostatic union, and this means that he's 100% God and 100% man. And some people would look at this and they would say, of course, Christ's kingship comes from the fact that he's God. Well, he's God, so, you know, he's king. I mean, that, that makes sense. And I understand that statement and that sentiment, but that's not what Gabriel is going and proclaiming here. Uh, because he goes, he says, he will reign over the throne, or excuse me, over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is referencing a, a few different covenants that were made in Scripture. The first one it is obviously the Davidic covenant, where this throne was actually originally established, that it was God's design, uh, in the covenant that God made with David, that uh, of his household there, there would be somebody who would have this kind of a throne uh, that would be uh, a kingdom where there is no end. But when it also references he will reign over the house of Jacob, it's referencing the Abrahamic covenant as well, the covenant that God made to Abraham that through his seed all nations of the earth would be blessed. But but it's not just merely in the fact that, hey, the Savior is going to come from your lineage, Abraham, but it is literally that the kingship is coming from his lineage, and it is in connection with his lineage, not just that, that hey, Jesus is here, but there is a, a physical aspect to this. There is actual physical land. This isn't a Gnostic kingdom. Jesus Christ has a literal throne that he is one day going to sit on and rule for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom, and, and that is going to be his throne. But his actual kingship is physical that he has. It's not just because, oh, hey, he's God, so therefore you're king of the universe. You know, we, we do understand that he is the authority of all of the universe, of everything that there is, because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. We understand that. I understand that concept. But that's not the kingship that Gabriel was going and saying. He's saying that there is a lawful Duger king that is built on a covenant that God made with David and a covenant that God made with Abraham. And this is the fulfillment of that covenant of this royal king that is coming. And it's lawful. He doesn't have to go against rebellion. He doesn't have to go into to dethrone somebody. It's his 
kingdom. Now, his kingdom is the king of kings. He is above everyone else, too, at the same time. But this is the message that came to Mary. I said I wasn't going to go too far into that. I went way further than I thought I was going to, but that's okay. This is the message that came to Mary. And it was a message, Gabriel's message was one of a coming king, of a coming kingdom that would be here and of his kingdom, that there would be no end. And you know, it's important not only that we realize that Mary hears the message of the kingship of Christ, but also that we realize that that you've heard the message of the kingship of Christ. You've had a messenger come. If not, and you're listening to this right now, I'm, I'm the messenger. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is king. He is king. And we're going to see how he is going to be coming back someday. Uh, and we're going to get to that. I'm really excited. I love talking about the kingship of Christ. But we understand, or you need to understand, that there is a message of the kingship of Christ. And this is this is where uh, John the Baptist was going in and proclaiming. He started off his message, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I forgot that first word. That's an important one. And uh, Jesus goes and he walks in that same message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven there. We see this here. He is the king uh, of uh, kings. He, he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and we need to hear the message of the kingship of Christ. But I want you to notice here that it made Mary afraid. It made Mary afraid. You know, he comes in and he says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled, or she became sore afraid. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, of course, if you read the description of angels throughout Scripture, you can understand why somebody would be afraid when when a messenger from God would come to them, uh, because of course they're you know they don't look like the hallmark angels. You know, it's not touched by an angel. It, it, these guys are are kind of scary looking. But we see it's interesting that Gabriel comes and he proclaims good news to her. He proclaims good news to her. You have found favor with God. You are blessed among women. Uh, you, you know, and this is an incredible thing that he is going and proclaiming to Mary. And there's no doubt that that God goes and he looks at Mary and he he, he sees uh, just this incredible young lady uh, who go who he goes and chooses to go and to give birth to God Himself, Jesus Christ. Uh, and of course, God goes and he specifically brings a message to her of good news. And of course, there's an easy draw, an easy comparison here that, that if you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if not, let me tell it to you, Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day to provide a way of salvation for all who would believe. Well, you've heard the gospel. That's good news, that God sent somebody to you to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's incredible. That's incredible. But we see that when she gets the message from God, specifically the message that's coming, that is good news, that there is a coming king, that he has a kingdom, she was sorely troubled. She was greatly afraid. And that's because this message comes with great authority, because there is great authority in the kingship of Christ. And, you know, just like she was troubled, she was afraid, it's, it's right for us as well when we consider the message of the kingship of Christ to have the fear of the Lord in our life. 
Because the reality of it is, is that it's natural for us to not follow the kingship of Christ, but to build our own kingdom and to follow our own kingship, which is not du jour, it's not lawful. It's usurping the authority of Christ. That's what we want to do naturally. That's what the natural man wants to do. You want to go and build your own kingdom. You want to go and to do your own things. But the message of Christmas is one completely contrary, which is interesting when you think about the commercialization of Christmas, that it's about giving me a Christmas list of all of the things that I want and all of these things that it's about me, 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 me. Well, that's diverting from, and I'm not saying that that Christmas presents are bad, by the way, but that's diverting from the kingship of Christ. It's going and saying, let me go and make a list of how I can build my own kingdom. It's become a self-centered holiday when really this is a holiday that ought to be about Christ and his kingship, that there is a king coming and we need to celebrate this king that was born. It's easy to just follow what you want to crown yourself king of your life. But we're not worthy. It also brings us fear when we hear about the kingship of Christ because, well, following Christ has a great price. There's a great price to be paid. You ought to count the cost before you follow Christ. It's not an easy decision. It's a simple one, but it's certainly not easy to follow Christ. You know, salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. That's what the kingship of Christ goes and says. He comes with an open arm and says, I I freely welcome you to enter into my kingdom. But it will cost you everything because the kingship of Christ demands it. It demands that we give up all and bow before him. It's free for us to come in. There's, there's no price that we must pay in order to come into the, to the kingdom of God. It's not that we can go and earn our way into that. It's not that we can go and bribe our way into it. It's not that we can go and buy our way into it. It's not that we can do something that makes us worthy of entering in. We can't do that. Christ is the one who makes us worthy. Salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. Because there is no one who, after the confrontation of the cross, who goes and bows before it, does not give their whole life because Jesus goes and says, take up your cross and follow me. That's what we are called to go and to do. And what is a cross? It is an instrument of death. He's saying, go and die to self. Follow me. What is he going and saying? There is an appointment of authority that's there that we are to go and to follow Jesus Christ. Follow Christ. Die to yourself and follow Christ. That's what the kingship of Christ is all about. And you can't have that confrontation of the cross without hearing the message of pick up your cross and follow me. Salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. Now, in verses 32 and 33, this is where we'll end here this this morning. It says, He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. There is a king that's coming is the message that Gabriel goes and says to Mary. And in that message, there was a choice that Mary was left with. The choice that Mary had was that she could believe Christ would be the king 
that he is the king. Or she could believe that this was all a lie. She could reject it. She could either accept the message that Christ is king or she could reject it. And you have that same choice today. See, Christ is a worthy king. He is a worthy king. But in order to truly recognize that, you have to surrender your kingdom to Christ. And this is what Christmas is about. There is a king who is here. There is one who is worthy. He was laid in a manger. That's what Christmas is about. But make no doubt, he is a king. And a worthy king. And in order for you to recognize that you have the choice, will you believe that Jesus is king and therefore surrender your kingdom? Or will you reject that Christ is king? Believe that this is just a lie and continue to build your own kingdom. This is what I want to set the stage with here with this series, because there's so much I want to get into this with Christ's kingdom and who he is as a king. But we first have to be confronted with this fact. There is a king that was prophesied that he's coming. That's what Mary heard. And she was confronted with the choice. Will she accept this good news? Will she believe that he truly is a king? Because if you don't believe that he's a king, it, it doesn't matter what, what else we, what we talk about. But he is a king. He's a lawful king. He's a king. According to his father, David, he has his throne. And he's not just a king, but he is the king of kings. And so this Christmas season, I just want you to ponder. I just want you to consider. Is Christ the king of your life? Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you shall observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.